Hello. Hello. Welcome to Jen and... And Jeff. Need a book. Need a book. Um, this is our first podcast. Very first. First episode. First episode. And um, we are discussing the book, The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Um, Amazing book. Great book. And you may hear us talking about what we want to call our podcast. It's kind of, you know, it was kind of a work... In, in progress. progress for sure <laughs> and um yeah so we just you know talk about books we read a book first which is seems always, to be required yeah for it seems like, like a good idea you want to read it and then we discuss it and we do spoil it the just whole thing the whole thing we talk There's, about yes. the whole thing if you want to read the book before you listen to the episode we highly recommend it because otherwise you're gonna be a little lost yeah and i think you know even though we're very charming and hilariously funny um i think (laughs) that your listening experience would be greatly enhanced yes that's the word by reading the book and perusing alongside us so you can draw your own conclusions are we right or are we full of shit you don't know (laughs) you decide or both yeah All right. Welcome. Welcome. We're good. So we're just going to talk about what we were going to name it first. (laughs) We might as well. I don't know. Listen, Do you I have, don't have any ideas you whatsoever. Don't? I, don't. I thought you had some. I did, but then I realized it was stupid. So You did have that one that was wine wine and then spines or whatever. And then I looked it up and there's actually a podcast called Whiskey Wine and Spine. Well, and I hate it now, so I know um, it's horrible. I have a list. Rachel had these bizarre <laughs> combinations. Yeah. Winebrarians. <laughs> <laughs> is that, I like is that, that terrible? Like, no. What did I? Oh, um, yeah, I had some dumb ones too. But you right, know, it's, it's brainstorming. That's what brainstorming yeah, yeah, yeah. is. Um, book, book, drink. I don't know because this was. Yikes. I was like short, short. Is that as hyphenated? Bit. Booze tales. No. Booze tales. Oh god. It's like duck tales, but with <laughs> booze. <laughs> um, I don't know. Books anonymous. Books Anonymous, B.A. Books Anonymous, B.A. Um, and Quitter Strip, that's probably my favorite. Did you say quit or strip? Quitter Strip oh, is get... a bookmark. Oh. I guess I'm just not savvy enough. Yeah. I don't have any other more. All right, that's it. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be um, this is gonna be the toughest part of the whole thing for yeah. me. Yeah. It's not easy. Like, I feel like that's the hardest part of, like... Uh, writing a book too so can i ask you a question really quick so when you come up with a title for your book do you already have the title in mind or when you finish the story are you like this is the best way um i've always had the title first interesting i know and i i I don't feel like i can i can proceed without knowing the title (laughs) that's so interesting and I always say, oh, it's a working title. I, I, you know, maybe I'll change it. But it's if, really the final title. But it usually, yeah, because I don't have many ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and so if I have one that seems 
good at the beginning, and then I just like yeah, it's the only one, and I'm I think you're kinda... selling yourself a little bit short <laughs> on that one. But... I don't know. I have one. Yeah, like my current one is. It's called Lion Tamer, <laughs> but it's like L Y O N because the woman's name is her last name is Lion. See, I kind of like that though. It's very punny. And it's about lions and tigers being rescued from Guatemala. It's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. <laughs> but to me, I'm like, this is the dumbest title ever, but it's the one. I, wine Brarians is the best I got. I was, wine Brarians is good. Wine, wine Brarians. Wine Brarians or Quitter. I like Quitter Strip just because it's. I don't know. How many people would, uh, would get it? Well, everybody we who poll. told us who we tell. We'll I mean, tell I guess them. that's fair. <laughs> It's a, I mean, it's a, it's like part of a meme, I guess. I'm not a. Or it's like, oh, culture. you call it a bookmark, I call it a quitter strip. That's whatever. It's. I know book what humor. part of that I'm on. <laughs> book <laughs> so. humor. We get it. Fair enough. Ooh. Yeah. Um. Do you have those list of questions? I do, but should we introduce ourselves? Probably. Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> I'm Jen. I'm Jeff. And, uh, and the introduction's done, I guess. No, and we're, we're winebrarians. <laughs> we're winebrarians. Welcome. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I'm you know, old. He's young. Uh, well, well, I don't know about that. 31 is not young. That's true. It's Millennial and Gen X. Yep. Millennial um, X. Yep. I'm a writer. He's a teacher, teacher librarian. Listen, I'm a cat lady. Oh, a cat lady. I would like not. to describe myself as... <laughs> I'm definitely not Budding one of those. cat lady. Uh, misanthropic cat lady, I think, is the best description. I think misanthropic in front of anything is really... Is... It's kind of redundant with the cat lady part. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there are worse things you could be. Oh, for sure. Plus, you have your own cat lady. I do. You got a cat lady? I do have a cat lady. Um, and you each have your own cat, or do you prefer one to the other? She's actually really annoyed about the whole situation because <laughs> the cats love me. They curl up on me, they'll sit in front of my computer screen, they'll curl up on my lap, all over me. And uh, she gets dirty looks, and that's about it. Oh. So. Is she not around as much, or she's there all the time? She's there all the time, so they can totally right. cuddle with her. But whenever I'm home, it's like they're waiting at the door for me. <laughs> Right. So, because how dare they, or how dare she be there all day oh, yeah. in her way? I mean, you like, you at least left. Like, what am I supposed to do though? Like, push the cats <laughs> away? Like, no, give your love to somebody else? I don't, I don't know. know. So. Well, so Jeff and I met at book club through how many, friends. How many years ago was that? Now, two. It's just a couple, or maybe three. Maybe three. Two and a half, three. Quarantine doesn't count as a year, does it? No, probably not. Probably. In book years, yes, more. Yes, it absolutely than... <laughs> does. And we did actually have book club. We did. So yeah, so we have a book club, and um, Jeff and I probably both speak more than everybody else combined. I feel terrible <laughs> about it, actually, so because we thought... <laughs> you know, like, have you ever been in class and like the room is dead silent and you feel like you gotta save whoever's up front? Sure, sure. I felt. Kind of like that. Like, I was like, oh, nobody's answering. I better. Because <laughs> probably I'm like, I've already answered every question, so I probably shouldn't say anything. I'm going to let somebody else talk. <laughs> and then it was Jeff. So, you know, it was pretty much our show. So that's might as we well figured, cut out the middleman. Why not uh, record ourselves? And yep. Drink, drink alone. 
Well, yep. We we didn't tell them about it yet though, so they might be mad. I can see Thomas be was was Rachel mad? No. Rachel she wasn't mad at all. She was like, That's a great hella good idea. <laughs> well she does her fun like gaming stuff, right? She does. She actually is on Twitch. She does uh it's ladies on tap on Twitch. <laughs> see, I love that. That's, that's the plug. See, alright, so she she's she is good with names. She just loves beer and the whole thing just pays <laughs> for beer money and her and her, her partner, Crystal, they just drink on other people's tab. Nice. So and they play games and it's, That's the dream, really. That is her dream. It's small, but it's hers. <laughs> Who am I to judge? I don't know. Um But so yeah, so I'm a romance writer, but I also mainly read romance. And Jeff, you massive fantasy nerd. Um, yeah. What is your favorite book that you've ever read? Oh Jesus Christ! Well, I figured that def- <laughs> that kind of gives you some definition of like what kind of a <sighs> you know what's your genre. You mean like this year, or like in the past year. ten years, or um, like my whole life, or what genre? Okay, let me be more specific. <laughs> the book that you that you come back to when you just want to read something. It's like your your safety book, your safety book. Com- my book. comfort book? Yeah. Probably Pride and Prejudice, but okay. that, I would say that is like my, the overarching one of my life. But I do, there is a book called The Wall of Winnipeg in Me by Mariana Zapata, and she is awesome. I love her. She writes slow burn romance. Okay. So in a kind. like, and it's, but she's like so masterful at it. It's so good. And that's probably a book I've read maybe six or seven times okay. <laughs> in the past like <laughs> three years. Um just because I, I like want to remind myself when I want to remind myself what good writing ra- romance writing is. Okay. So and, or if I'm looking for some like kind of... real sort of crackling um chemistry kind of so no 50 shades of gray for you then (laughs) i I appreciate it i've read them all um but i'm not i haven't reread them but yeah it would change i would say that answer would change even now it would because i feel like this is a book i would read (laughs) the one we we read (laughs) absolutely is one that um i would read over again i wanted to read it over again you know, it's it's funny because I told Rachel that she needed to read this. Oh, absolutely! I want when we're done, we've actually done it, done the recording. I yeah. want to tell the rest of the book club to read it. Yes, definitely. But, I, I think um, to answer the question, though, I think for oh, yeah. me, so, yeah, for you, what's yours? Like as a kid, it was "The Eye of the World" by Robert Jordan, um, which the 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 Wheel of Time series in general is like massive is this a fantasy yeah this is a super epic fantasy is it young adult or it is not it's just straight adult Um, (laughs) and i read it as a little 12 year old boy and it was six or seven hundred pages and it was like the first really long book i read and i devoured it in three days okay um i just sat on the couch and just binged it it just spoke to me in a way that no other books really done. I have annotated this book oh, okay. without being asked so by a teacher, <laughs> which is how you know. You're like, this is this is not schoolwork, but I'm so going to make it feel like schoolwork. Conspiracy theory part. The, he has these chapter symbols on each page. Okay. Right, on each start of the chapter. 
and I was for the longest time I was trying to figure out what they meant because I I knew I had a hunch that the symbol had something to do with what was going on in the chapter. Okay. So if you figured the symbol out, you could kind of get a sense of where the chapter was going. So it was like a um like a decoder kind it was like of like a weird decoder like thing and I was obsessed okay. with it. Yeah. So that's my thing. That's fun. Yeah. And that so it's interesting that we both have like very like those are the two genres that we read. Yep. And our Almost favorite books are yeah. <laughs> nerds. I know. A bunch of nerds. I know. So Jeff and I, you know, had a strenuous, painstaking process. It was a back and forth, a tug of, of war. <laughs> of it was. Deciding on a book, which was not nope. the case at all. No, we each chose three. We threw them at each other. And he said, well, why don't you choose first? And this is really the book that stood out to me that I wanted to read. And it's um, called The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. T.J. Klune, he writes primarily LGBTQ fiction. Yep. Yep. Uh, He does like, um, I haven't read any of his other stuff, but I I looked him up. and. So he's, I guess, most known for The Extraordinaries which I guess won a Lambda Literary Award. Yeah, so he does some YA, but he also does adult, and he does some, like, shifter series, but they're all, like, male-male okay. um, gay series. And, um, yeah, and sp- so I just published my male-male romance in January. And so I joined a bunch of, like, Facebook groups that were um, MM Recommendations and or you know, and there's a bunch of freaks out there, ladies, <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, that love male male romances. Oh, like yeah. these groups are mostly women, but they all love him. And I guess he, um, and it wouldn't be a, a surprise, I don't think, but he um, writes a lot of comedy too. It does so, like, not shock me at all. This was oh, chock oh, full. Of it, it. Oh, so funny. So I had heard of him before. And I was just, I was looking around Goodreads. I was looking on that page and uh, on the um, male male recommendation page. And um, someone did recommend this book, but they were, you know, with the caveat that, that it was definitely a kid's book. There wasn't any, or I guess it's like a YA. Interesting. <clears throat> I don't that know. They, I they think... designated it. I didn't feel like it was. Well, it's not an adult enough. book. No, necessarily. But I I I guess the themes are adult. The themes are super adult. And I just, I feel like it resonates with everybody. So I feel like it it was hard for me to peg it as something. Sure. But there's no, there's nothing explicit. There's no cursing. There's not, there's no violence, really. There's some, there's some, there's some threats. There's there's some some scary themes. Yeah. But it's like, I would say that Harry Potter, the Harry Potter was, was scarier probably well harry potter was on the banned book list that's true so who knows that's a point in its favor it is indeed (laughs) so anyway so the um i guess i can give a little summary of what the book's about and if you want to add no sure yeah or interrupt me so yeah this is so obviously this is jeff and i's first time doing a podcast or anything like this can't you tell um it's not clear enough uh, but we just, but we do love talking about books, and that's not a, oh, for, yeah. a forced situation. I don't have anybody to talk about it except for you, so <laughs> this works out. Um, so, 
yeah, so the House of the Cerulean Sea, it's uh, the main character is Linus. Um, oh my God, what's his last name? I can't Baker. remember. Baker. Linus Baker. Linus Baker. I got you. And he's very much like. <laughs> you know who he reminds me of? Yeah, you know the critic from Ratatouille. Oh yeah, yeah. But like a softer version. Well, of He him. just so the it, parts of it reminded me of like A Wrinkle in Time. Okay. Just with sort of like the upper management, like sort of the overlords, like yep, the mysterious. Extremely upper yeah. management. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then also any sort of like sci-fi or fantasy that has like that, you know, everybody's in a line in a workspace where they have, and you know, there's no joy in what he's doing. Oh no. Yeah. But so Linus is, he's a caseworker for magical children. Um, and his job is to um, inspect orphanages, which he, uh, he's not a big fan of calling them that. Um, that house these children. Yes, towards the end. <clears throat> Especially, yeah. But he goes to these orphanages, makes sure that the master, which is another, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of issues that he, um, it's funny, like, he has, but he has this rule book. Like, there's this giant. Rules and regulations. Rules and regulations. Always in capitals, yeah. by the way, in the, in the book. And he's very, like, he he's. He lives by himself. He has he's a cat lady, has a cat. Yes, he is identified very <laughs> heavily with him. And he doesn't, you know, he has no friends. He has no family. Yep. He has a record player and a nosy and a terrible nosy, neighbor. <laughs> terrible neighbor, like not even the good kind, like the no. bewitched kind. It's just like, or the Agatha kind, which is my new favorite <laughs> from Wandavision. Yep. Um, but so he real, but he has the sunflowers. Which is like so. I feel like he's he's this very like straight laced sort of lonely, sad person. But at the same time, like he has like he creates little sunshines in his life. And yeah, he's the type of person who's lonely but doesn't realize he's lonely. I think there's a line in the book that kind of summarizes that. But it's yeah, he's he's never had a ton of friends, so he doesn't know what he's missing. Right, most of the book. Um, so anyway, so he, one day, and, and he talks about, like, his supervisor is horrible. She oh, hates him. And everybody hates him <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> even so though, funny. like, he just keeps to himself. But he talks about his um, his physique and uh, bumping into people's desks. And, and he's got a spare tire around the middle, which yeah. I thought. I do like that he was sort of this normal guy character. Dad bod, as, yeah. as the kids would call it. <laughs> so he gets a he gets a secret assignment. He gets called up to the extremely to the upper up, management. The extremely upper management. So he has to take a um, you know an el- like elevator by himself or, or to like the top where nobody else is going. Yep. Um, and then he meets, and they're all like, I, I see them on this like giant high dais, right? Like well, they're above him. Oh yeah. And they're, you know, and he's they're sitting in this down like, on him. chair. Yes. Yeah. So they give him this assignment. He's going to this island far away. Um, he has to take a train. He's going to be gone for four weeks. And they don't give him any information other than he's going to inspect another orphanage there. Yep. And then he gets off the train. And um, there's a woman waiting for him. And he he's finally out, allowed to, like, open the 
the dossier yep, that, that he has given. on. <laughs> yeah, the fat envelope. So he, I think he reads only one, and it's about it's about Lucy, right? Yep, it's about Lucy, yeah, and so he Lucy, faints away. <laughs> Lucy is short for Lucifer. And <laughs> was, he's, that was so good. Oh, my God, so good. Um, and so Lucifer, Lucy is a six-year-old um, boy whose father is rumored to be, to be the Satan. Dumb, Satan, yeah. Yep. Um, and so he reads about him, faints away, and whatever. He, he They make it to the ferry. They take a ferry over. There's so many things you could talk about, but um, just in that one trip. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so and the first person he encounters on the island is a garden gnome. And she's awesome. Talia. Talia. She's very cool. Very she, grumpy. Has a beard. Yeah, she has a beard. Um, most, uh, most garden gnomes don't have, or females don't have beards. I think the reason that she was there was she was one of the only female gnomes. Okay. So it was very rare. But she threatens him with her shovel. As one does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so then eventually he he meets the rest of them. (laughs) Which is a a whole, a whole, like, you could write a whole essay on how these characters are introduced. Oh, my God. I I think, I'm going to say... I love all of them. I love all the children, but my favorite is Chauncey. For Ch- sure. <laughs> the the sheer warmth in my heart when uh, he sees the bellhop for the oh first God. time. So Chauncey mm. is, do you want to explain Chauncey? Well, so, so I don't even know how to describe Chauncey because I picture Chauncey as a giant green booger. Yeah. With like amoeba-like arms and legs. Did you ever see that um, Hotel Transylvania Movie. With the first one or the second one? I don't think it matters because I oh. think there's a blob. Because I haven't seen either of them. Oh. <laughs> so, so I don't know if that well, helps. Well, anyway, one of the, you know, it's 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 Frankenstein and there's uh, that's know, the Adam Dracula. Sandler, right? No, no, no. It's, um, oh, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, so there's Dracula and then there's Frankenstein and there's a werewolf and, but there's a blob. And so that's kind of what my... That's pretty much what I pictured as well. But he's sort of this like jellyfish, part jellyfish, part like part blob, whatever alien. But he, thing. his yeah. goal in life, his obsession is bell is is to be a bellhop. Yes, and it's the most delightful thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> like, when I was like, I think so cute. Linus's reaction is exactly what our reaction is. It's like he was like, I'm sorry, you want to be a what? Yeah, you want to be a bellhop? <laughs> Why? I know, and you're just like, I want to, no, I want to save you from that, but I want to help you open up a hotel (laughs) by the sea. Yep. Um, Then there is Fee. She's a wood sprite. Yeah, I think they call it a forest sprite. Or forest sprite, yeah. Yes. So um, the woman that picks him up from the train station is Zoe. Zoe. And she's also a sprite. Yes, apparently she's... She's an island sprite, which he'd never heard of before. So, like, he was kind of out of his depth. She's the caretaker of the island. Yeah. She's really the owner of it. Yeah. Um, and then there's Theo, <laughs> who I also love. Yeah. He's a wyvern, which is, is that I say that right? Yeah. So, he's he's a dragon without the arms. So, I guess it's like, it's just a dragon body, but with just the back legs. Okay. Is and, what I'm. And my nerdy fantasy Dungeons and Dragons background is coming in. 
I don't know. I, know, how I was much like, I, I have to look that up. Say about that, but it's like Wyvern is just, it's more of a smaller version of a dragon, so to speak. And he's, um, he likes to collect things. Like, like all dragons do. Yeah. He's a, he's a hoarder. And he's given a button for the first time, a brass button. Yeah. And then, oh, and then there's Lucy. <laughs> I, it's so hard to explain now, him. Now, what was your first impression of Lucy when he's introduced in the house? Because, like, I got the sense that he was joking from minute one. Like, there, it never, to me, was there any menacing part of him. He just no. seemed like a kidder. But like I think sarcastic... he's just also this sweet little six-year-old, and For we've sure. both encountered those that were like, maybe he's the spawn of Satan. I don't know. It could yeah, be. It could be. <laughs> but he's adorable. No, I mean, like, he, yeah, I mean, just the things that he says, you know, like, if you can imagine them coming out of a six-year-old's mouth is... Um, it's hilarious. Hilarious. And Talia eggs him on, and she's... So Talia is, she's the gnome... And she's like 200-some years old. 263 <laughs> years old. I'll need to check myself, but I think yeah. that's right. But she's not... F- or she think, says that to him, and he goes, well, you're you're not full-grown until you're 500. You're, yeah, you're, you're still a child, <laughs> even by gnome years, yeah. Um, and then... Oh, and then there's Sal. Sal's interesting. I, I really liked Sal. And character. I love how they introduced him, too. Like, he it, surprised him, and then he... So Sal is a were Pomeranian. Just the first time I've ever heard that <laughs> in my life. And I mean, awesome. It reminds me of that. Did you ever see Blade Three? Is that the one with Ryan Reynolds? And yeah, Jessica and there's Alba? a and they're like or not just they made Pomeranians. Uh, Drac- they made the vampires. <laughs> oh my god! And there's a part where Ryan Reynolds is like, "Did you?" He's like, "You guys made a Pomeranian a vampire?" And it's just this little like fluffy thing, and then it's like oh, that's right. five mouths that mouth open. Comes yeah. Up. yeah, I do remember that. I'm vividly recalling that part, indeed. <laughs> so I get the joke. I like it. Um, yeah. So. And then there's... Well, I, what I thought was funny about Sal was that Linus brings his cat, Calliope, who's like a jerk. Like a big jerk. I think it's Calliope. Calliope? I've, yeah, Calliope. I'm sure. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> and Who's a jerk? Until she arrives at the island. Until she arrives at the island and she meets Sal for the first time, which I thought was funny because Sal's a Pomeranian. Right. Yeah, so... And Sal's the newest... The newest... Uh, member of the house because he had yeah he had been moved around a lot and then also had bit a woman who slapped him and then he didn't realize that when he bit somebody they also turned into a wear <laughs> so anyway he's had a troubled uh few years it sounds yes. like so but the hero in all of their lives is arthur arthur parnassus which I think is a very cool name, by the way. Oh, Arthur Parnass. Yeah. He and he is like, I don't know. I love I I love Linus, because Linus is just sort of this like, you know, anti cool guy. He's not he's not handsome. He's, he's not like, even any he's of not those boxes. Cool. Like yeah. he's not he's just a lump of a guy, but you just love him. But so I, yeah. I, I felt like Arthur, like he's He's so cool. He's a, he's a fucking phoenix. He's so cool. Which <laughs> when did you pick that up? By the way, well, I didn't 
like I picked up that he was magical almost right away. That the second that he mentioned the story about somebody that he knew was a phoenix, I was like, "You're talking about yourself." Had to have been. Yeah, that I didn't pick up because maybe I'm dumb, but I did no, feel like I just, he. <laughs> not dumb. I just I was like I, I had this feeling. I like, like I felt so like cool. oh he's definitely he's definitely magical. Oh for sure. Especially because he said oh um that like Lucy kept him kept his uh, Linus's arrival from from him and I was like oh he knows things yes I don't know so yeah so Arthur is the master but really is their father oh yes and yeah. cares about them loves them but is little too like overprotective which you know based on what you see in the beginning of the book you know, right. and, and Linus's interactions as a caseworker, you kind of get the sense that Arthur knows kind of the sure. reality of the situation. So he tries to keep all of the kids sheltered a little bit from the right. outside world while not stifling them at the same time. I know. And, and so, yeah, so Linus does encourage him to get them out, even though the townspeople are not great. And it's, it's a, I would say they suck. It's really suck. my would not my, all of them, but they, not all of them. they definitely there's I love how he uses the like if you see something say something imagery <laughs> yeah, like, like a, everywhere. Yeah. So there's posters in the city, but like it's when very he goes, 1984, I'd, I'd like to point out. That's what little, I picture there's like a lot Big of propaganda, Brother. Yeah. I know. Um so yeah, so he uh sees that when he's first off the train a little bit. And then Merle, the the ferry driver, grumpy is just... <laughs> ferry driver is the worst. <laughs> he's but he's only driven by money, which I think is hilarious. Um, but they also <laughs> find they find that little raft that has like that it says like "Go away, nobody wants you," or I forget what yeah. it says exactly. I think that was a pretty good summation. But it I, was like on a flag, right, or something. Uh, yeah, resembling. And that? then Linus yeah. <laughs> Linus writes "No thanks" <laughs> on it and sends it back. <laughs> It's a very lioness thing to say, just like a very polite refusal. Well, and that's what I love about him. He's like not just this lumpy like pushover of a dude. Like he's he cares he's about his job. He does. And I think like he really just needed that little push of being with those kids and Arthur to see what it's like when there's joy in a house, when there's love in a house and there's yeah. um to be like this is what's this is right. And but also we need to change other people's minds. And I like that about him. I think and I like that he forces them to go to town to take a trip. Like <laughs> and it's that's funny because Linus chapter. is the one pushing for them to expand their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious if you know Linus at all throughout right. the beginning of the book. It's like <laughs> you're the last person. He has he only has a comfort zone. Like he doesn't go out and do anything. Yeah, no, he doesn't. But He's, he sits home every night. He's and almost he like a to vinyl records. Yeah. <laughs> he absolutely is. Absolutely is. Yeah. So they probably one of my favorite parts of the book is when they go to town, and they Talia go. Talia t- meets the the. Um, <laughs> they go to town to get ice cream. Yep. <laughs> and it doesn't turn out. That it way does not really. go uh, the yeah the way they. And then J Bone, who is I, I J Bone is the head of. The record store, which yeah, he's Lucy the record store owner. <laughs> loves old records by right. dead people specifically. Right. 
the day the music died specifically specifically like he loves buddy holly and he loves the big bopper and he loves um bobby darren and yeah so but what happens before that is lucy has that dream he has a nightmare and when he has nightmares like things move and things happen like um like, like a lot of things. Linus finds himself like levitating in bed and yeah. So yep. he breaks he breaks some of his records. So that's and one he's of the very distraught about the whole, <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. So I guess probably I would say people fear him the most. Yeah. I, I think is... that that's pretty central to the plot as well. Like they're Yeah, that's the reason why uh, like all the rest of them is kind of whatever, but Lucy is a big uh, the fact that they're so certain that his father is Satan. Right. means that Dichemy, which is like the acronym for the company, is super <laughs> concerned about that. Right. Um, what does Dichemy stand for again? It's the department... One department of the re- in charge of magical adults. Or is, magical youth. Is- yes, and then it's just magical use. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Sorry. Oh, that's good. It was bothering me. <laughs> you had an easier way of looking it up than I was I on did. my phone. I opened so the book, or- yeah. Yeah, so, um, but I think the townspeople, so it's a small, like, seaside village. It's a, um, like, a, like, a vacation spot. Yeah, that's kind of how I picture it. It's like a, like an ocean city, but, like, not nearly as big. Yeah, like, yeah. Like a small, small village. But in the record store, one of the employees tries to, like. Martin. Yeah, he tries to, he, like, accosts Lucy. <laughs> with his cross he tries to banish him and i love lucy he's like i don't understand why they think i'm gonna be afraid of crosses it's just two pieces of wood yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great he's so funny um and then he he doesn't harm him but he like puts him to sleep or knocks him out somehow i'm pretty but, sure he throws him into the wall doesn't he <laughs> something ridiculous right, and knocks him out and which, then j-bone's like yo gnarly dude yeah like, that was awesome right right well, that's the cool thing is when you get into town, like, then they meet the mayor and she's like en- yeah. enchanted by Talia, who wouldn't be, but um, when she's in the hardware store. And so they find like, um, they do find some friends and um, people on their side. Which I, find- I, I thought was good because in the beginning of the book, it kind of just feels like the whole world sucks. Yeah. And then, you know. You realize that it really is, it's kind of a, I don't know what percentage split I would make it, but it's like a 50-50 split. There are some people who are generally understanding uh, of the kids who are willing to keep an open mind and sure. a bunch of people that suck. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an allegory to outsiders or, you know, even just really anybody LBGTQ that feels, youth. Yeah, you like, and that's why I said, <laughs> I said it reminded me of Edward Scissorhands a lot. Not the plot or anything like that, but just in that it's the um, sort of magical uh, life that he has, even though it's sad. Like, they all have magical lives because they're magical beings. Yeah. But the reason they're in this place is sad because they don't have families. (laughs) Right? So Yeah. And the government, and they have to be registered, and the government sort of uh, keeps track of them, and it's... You know, they say it's for their own good, but when they say, if you see something, say something, they don't mean, like, if you see someone being mean to the no, garden like gnome. No, it's like if you see <laughs> no, a like, magical being. Right, right. Yeah. They need to say something. So, and then just sort of, like, how 
enchanted you know some people are by them and then but then sort of like the mob mentality of you know when they come to the dock and want to go to the island and do who knows what to the kids like that some of the townspeople yeah but I also just it was just such a great story and it was such a magical sort of like all of the um, the relationships were matched. I, I don't know. Like they just felt like they pure felt deep and, and meaningful. Yeah. Like, like how they go on the expedition, you know, Zoe goes out and she buys Linus this awesome adventure set, which I picture uh, the wild thornberries. I don't know if you've ever seen <laughs> yeah. that show. Like he, he gets like I a safari have. hat and yeah. like his tan clothes <laughs> and they go off on an adventure and, you know, they pushed Linus forward as like, you know, you need to be be brave. But like, Arthur's always giving them lessons, and the lessons are pretty universal. Sure, you, know, you have to step out of your comfort zone in order to grow. And well, he treats them like children. He does, which yeah. they are. But I think the way that Daikomi teaches uh, treats them as more like think like things to be feared and um, controlled. Yeah, it's. I think the way that they they put people in boxes is pretty you, like a universal theme for me because Lucy in particular was this for me. He was like, okay, he's def he's the son of Satan, and that means that he can never be anything other than the son of Satan. Like it doesn't matter that he's being nurtured and he's this kid who loves records, and that's kind of what Linus brings up when he's talking to the the villagers when they're trying to storm the island. You know, he's like, like, what are you going to do to him when you like, get there? What are you going to do? What's your What's your plan here? They're, they're children. They're not grown yet. Right. But I do like, like, they like they barely scratch the surface of, like, what he can do. But he is dangerous. Like, Lucy is dangerous. Like, he... Yeah. You he know. Is. But that's, that's <laughs> kind of just, like, like the double-edged sword of it. Everything goes dark and everything goes quiet. Yes. And he just, like... You know, things are like sort of twirling around him, and he's this little. Uh, you know, it, it it's very omen like. If oh, you've like Damien? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But he's he's way cooler than Damien. Oh my god. Damien's a little totally. shithead. <laughs> I think that's an accurate <laughs> summation. Lucy's awesome. Well, I I think w- one of the great lines for me was when Arthur tells Lucy to go help Zoe in the kitchen. And Linus is like, oh, yeah, it's like a punishment. And he's like, no, he actually helps. He actually loves helping Zoe in the kitchen. And then Linus walks in and finds them listening to Bobby Darren. And that is like a super pivotal moment where Linus connects with them because he loves his records. And that's his really only comfort. So he realizes that there's something about Lucy that he kind of likes a lot right from the beginning. He's adorably morbid. Like, he's just so cute. When he talks about, you know, digging up bodies and <laughs> like they, they're like, oh, we need to go, we need to go to the hardware store, Talia, and get get a shovel so we can dig up some <laughs> bodies in the graveyard. And she's like, okay, let's do that. And they're, <laughs> and I love that she. So eventually, Linus has to go back to Daikomi, and yep. he is a changed man for sure, definitely, or at least. He's him not as his, changed as we hope that he gets. His own true self. But yes, yes, like he really, and he's totally, totally in love with Arthur. Like, oh my god, 
it's so it, adorable. <laughs> it's cute, but it's he is like, yeah, smitten kitten for sure. Yes. And <laughs> I've never heard that phrase before, smitten kitten. I'm yeah. gonna use it from now on. He, um, but then he goes back, but he kind of has to. Like yeah, I know he himself. is he is devastated to leave, and I know they're very disappointed, all of them, including Arthur, because Arthur's in love with him too. Yes. Which he kind of like really just I think is I think from he, the beginning. <laughs> he kind of is, and I, I think one of the great parts about Arthur is that he even with all the kids, like he knows where their boundaries are. Mm. You know, specifically, and he knows where Linus is. And like, and, yeah. and the great part about Arthur is that he doesn't ever push more than people are willing to, and I think that's why he doesn't say anything to Linus. It's also his downfall a little too, because right, bit... like he didn't push the kids to go out, and it it didn't turn out as badly as they thought it would. Yep, they had some incidents, but it overall was a good thing. Um. So anyway, so Linus has to leave. He does. He goes back, but he is totally different. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, for one, he yells at upper management. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Extremely <laughs> upper extremely management. Upper management. <laughs> He yells at that. He yells at the um, at his supervisor. He Mrs. yells at his Jenkins supervisor or whatever. She he yells at his next door neighbor. Oh yeah, because she cut down a sunflower. Tells her to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, there yep. wasn't any bad language like that, but or does he? No, but I mean, I kind of wish <laughs> that he us. was just like. Yeah, yeah. it's us editorializing. Well, he Sorry. does at the end when he leaves. When he does leave, he's like, he's like, I don't care what you do, but I'm like happy to never see you again. Which, which for him is foul language because he's directly impolite to somebody. So he spends a few weeks, like he does, he sends his reports and he has a final report for, um, for Arthur and the family. And he basically is like, these kids are doing great. They're where they should be. Can we stop calling them orphanages because no one's coming to adopt them? They're homes. That's what they should be called, their homes. Yeah. And then he starts like going back over his own casework. It's a quiet rebellion. Yeah, like he goes through all his old case files and like changes stuff. Then he takes uh, he co-workers. He starts taking <laughs> so, their stuff and nobody yeah. notices for whatever reason. <laughs> well, because they don't care. They don't that's care the and I think that's another... And I think he's always cared but I think he was sort of like bound by the rules and felt that the rules were were right. But well, I, think, I think for him it's anarchy if he doesn't yeah. have some type of structure to follow. So yeah, so he does, he makes big changes, and finally he, oh, the one thing that he has is the photograph of him and all of the children, and Arthur and Zoe. Yes. And he gets in trouble because they're not allowed to have any personal effects. Any personal effects. effects. <laughs> he, he, but he does, demerits. like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah he's, he's like, like I don't care. He's give like, me he, give me demerits all day, I don't care, I'm keeping it up. And so he finally, he finally, like, oh, they, they send him um, their decision. And their decision is that things can stay the way they are. And uh, they took his advice and they're like, because they sent him really because they wanted, they wanted him to, to justify their like ideas and like of closing down the place. Yes. And of uh, how dangerous Lucy was. Well, yeah, I, th- I think it was, a, it was a couple things because he says like. You know, that Arthur was actually one of the central points of why they sent him there. Right, because... The, it was an experiment, so to speak, right. with whether a magical being could look after other magical beings without it being a problem. Right. And they, he talks about the guy... I forget his, his name. His name's War- Werner? Werner? 
It's W E R N. Yeah. So he's he's part of extreme upper management now, but he was one of the he was the caseworker that had come before, and and it sounds like he kind of like wooed Arthur. And then yeah. screwed him over. Yep, that was end. what I got out of the book as yeah. well, that there was some type of relationship that they had. I'm which sweating. is, which, the more I thought about it, like, towards the end of the book, I thought that was crazy because Werner is such a, he seems like such a jerk, and Arthur seems so wise in most ways. Yeah, but... But I guess, yeah. you know, we like to see what we want to see, and for Arthur... Sure. I mean, it's the love is blind thing, you know, like, he came, like, he was charming, and he... He, you know, I don't think Arthur's stupid, but I think he was probably <laughs> convinced pretty well. Oh yeah, that his that yeah. You know. But I think that's why he was probably wary of of Linus when he first came. Even though Linus is probably like the most unthreatening, <laughs> unassuming person Which they could say. I, I always thought it was funny because he's like, I will speak sternly to these people when he. <laughs> When he talks about, you know, talking to the to the villagers. Yeah. He reminds me of, like, there's a character on Downton Abbey. The, um, what's his name? He's in, uh, he's in Ted Lasso, too. The, uh, the butler? Yeah. The, the head, uh, the head butler? No, not the head Mr. butler. Mr. Carson? Sprat. Not Mr. Carson. What? Sprat. Oh, Sprat. That's so funny. Like, because I he's didn't kinda... even think about that, but you like visually, you mean? He's got, yeah, because he's got like, he's kind of, you know, dad bod. Oh, yeah. He's got like thinning, thinning hair. hair. Yep. But he's just, yeah. So, but he's like the still sort of lovable. <laughs> anyway. But that's yeah, so. Yeah. That's such then, an interesting comparison. I don't, I don't know where. I mean, don't you have to have like a picture in your mind of what they look oh, like? Oh, yeah. Well, that's. I, I was. Oh, I. From minute one, the, this book played out in my head like a yeah, Pixar movie. For sure. Like it was animated and everything. Which, by the way, I think this would make a great animated movie. <laughs> but um, no, yeah. for me, it was that critic, you know, when he gets from, from Ratatouille, that he gets um, changed by this homely rat's cooking. Right. Like that's how I picture Linus Baker. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Pocket protector, nice. you know, perfect tie, the whole nine yards. Sweaty. Yes. They talked a lot about him sweating. <laughs> Which it Poor makes sense. I mean, he's carrying a spare tire, as I he know. says. I know. He talks about his spare tire a lot. Um, so, yeah. So, he gets word. He's done enough, like, behind-the-scenes tampering uh, and decides, it, like, he hates his house. It's And they talk a lot about home, like, as a... Not as less of a place, but of like who more you're with. More of a state of mind and, and uh, who you're with. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so he realizes he wants to be with them. So Which I thought it was funny even from the beginning how they had like his mouse pad was a was a vacation theme right. and it was like, Wouldn't you love to be here? Wouldn't you rather be here? Wouldn't you yeah. rather be here? Yeah. And he had never been to the ocean, so he was like that That was that was a big moment for him. Yeah. And I love when he says, I think it's towards the beginning when he says that something like, um, like there are things that are unimaginable in life. And Lucy gets like really, <laughs> he gets like insulted. He's like, what do you mean things? Because he thought he was talking about them. Yes. But he was like, oh, like the ocean. Like I've never, you know. They were, just they like, were all oh, very yeah, taken yeah, aback by that. Yeah. It's like, it's like we live on it. It's fine. <laughs> 
But you know, yeah, he. I love that he went back, and I love that whole part. Like I reread that last like three. They chapters, were so upset like, with him, and he had to kind of like formally apologize to each one of them in order to be let back in. The best was Talia. Yeah, she she had his she she had a freshly dug grave for him and in he her was garden. Like, you you wouldn't think, but it's an effective tactic for intimidating people. And she's like, I'm not going to fill it in until you've proven yourself. Until you've proven yourself. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, and then he and Arthur kiss, and it's awesome. And it's even more awesome because Lucy, like, se- like makes uh, they, a comment about it. Yeah, because then they're, they're, Zoe says, oh, let's go inside. And then they're, like, have, like, a byplay where it's like, oh, so we can watch from the window and, and they're they all, all like crowded in the, all in the window and he's like he's like adults are so stupid why don't you just kiss and get it over <laughs> I with I, was, I about pissed myself when i when i read that part i know i was sitting with andrew at the breakfast table i was like totally laughing and and crying and he's like oh whatever <laughs> i'm it's not like, gonna oh. lie the the whole speech part where he talks to them about like what how they've changed his life and how arthur you know what coming into his life like it was a failure of imagination for him from day one because he just never had anything resembling a home right and it's kind of a weird and i'm i think tj meant this but it's a parallel that he's almost like one of the kids he never really had a home himself and so i think you know that was him coming home and really finding his place and i i was hit pretty hard well and he's and he's like he doesn't have a magical bone in his body, but he is magical in his own yep. way. Yep. Lucy even says, like, there's magic in the ordinary. As, That's as Arthur, Arthur says, says that. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Lucy mentions it to right. him, like, spits Arthur's words back at him, which is how you know that Lucy will be fine. <laughs> Lucy's a meddler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my so. gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, and then I was just sad it was over. I, I, I still had so many questions, I think, at the end of the book, but they were kind of superfluous questions that come from me just wanting to know more information right. about things like which is the sign of a good book it it really is like how the hell did they know that satan is like did he just pop up and there was an upside down cross in the sky over the hospital where he was born <laughs> like like i want to know what did you find the 666 in his yeah. hair <laughs> i don't know like i i, I kind of liked that it was all sort of unexplained but yes. also just like of course he's <laughs> Of course he's saying, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's the Antichrist. That's Everybody's, happened before. Yeah, for sure. Fine. But, I, and, you know, it's a good, like, I guess a literary tactic where he just, you know, was like, this is the world. And. This is it. You kind yeah. of, and you didn't, we don't have any explanation of where any of them came from, really. And they even said about Chauncey, my fave, was like. Oh. We don't even know what he is, really. <laughs> what he's made of. Like, <laughs> he's like part, he's part jellyfish. We know that much, yeah. I love that they explained him, like, uh, uh, they talked about him eating and how it just kind of like, he's just like absorbed it and then it just kind of like broke up in his body and you could see it happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's Chauncey. like one of those ghost shrimp where you can see through <laughs> the organs. He was so like, he was the most uncomplicated which is all. kind of great to me because he's easily the most complex organism. Like yeah. she's just so weird, and the most un- mysterious. I guess human-like. Yes, him and and Theo. I guess yes. And I think that's pr- why they're they were more unique than other 
uh, orphanages that he visited? Because it seemed like the ones he went to, it was just like, oh, she can levitate things. Or, you know, like... This kid has a tail. Yeah, like they had some yeah. magic, but it wasn't like, oh, he's like a, you know, a two foot high dragon that <laughs> is red, you know, yeah. and only speaks in clicks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you can understand him. Which I thought was so funny, and I uh, actually for a little bit I thought I thought that uh, that Linus started getting powers or something because he started understanding gnomish. Yeah. He kind of started getting a sense of you know what they were saying, and and I thought that was really cool because it's just another sense that he was growing closer with the kids. Like he knew enough about them that he could get a sense of what they were saying. I guess it's uh, um, you could compare it to like children with disabilities too like you know and like how, how misunderstood they are and, yeah or just how society treats them generally and um i how awesome they usually are for sure like i think there's so much personality <laughs> even when like i work with some some kids that are non non-verbal and it's amazing how much personality shines through even without the ability to communicate in a way that verbally that's verbal yeah. right um I kind of got that sense from Theo in the book. and Well, yeah, because they all understood him. Yeah, it, he was not hindered in any way. But he just had, like, chirps and clicks. That was all he... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the book was great, I think, in terms of your ability to see yourself in a lot of what was going on. Oh, for sure. Um, especially with a bunch of groups that maybe aren't as represented. You know, there's not a lot of... Look, I wrote it right here. <laughs> Department of Magical <laughs> In huge letters. Yeah, I wrote it. It's right here. I did like, a, they ha, he had some really great details. Like, you know, when they got in the, um, in the, man, in the van, like Lucy had a booster seat. <laughs> you Which know, is hilarious like, since the Antichrist like, needs yeah, a booster seat. The Antichrist <laughs> needs a booster seat. I don't know. It's just like little things like that were amazing. He was really good. He's just, a, you know. It's one of those books that you're like, oh, I should probably not write again because that's I'll never going to be as good as this. <laughs> as good as but at the same time, you're like, oh, I should write because I can, I can do it. I can do you it. You know what's, from like a writing standpoint, one of the things I noticed was how simple his sentences were. Yeah. But well, he, because it's, yeah, I think because yeah, it's young adult. But it was just, it was amazing to me how he threaded them in such a way that it didn't feel like it was very basic like it was a simple thing communicating really complex um yeah his his ideas. language was beautiful it really was he had really good um just the details like here i have this him ex, uh linus the first time he sees um arthur <laughs> like how he describes arthur okay well let's hear it okay <laughs> so he was unlike anyone linus had ever seen before he was spindly his light hair was a mess, sticking up at odd angles. It was starting to gray around his temple. His dark eyes were bright and glittering in the near dark. His aquiline nose had a bump in the center, as if it had been broken once long ago and never set right. He was smiling, hands clasped in front of him. His fingers were long and elegant as he twiddled his thumbs. He wore a green pea coat, the collar pulled up around his neck against the sea breeze. His slacks appeared too short for his long legs. <laughs> the hems coming up above his ankles, revealing red socks. He wore black and white wingtip shoes. Like, so he's so awesome. cool. I know. <laughs> I want to be Arthur. Oh my God. He's Arthur. like the Dumbledore of. He's like, I was picturing, 
young Dumbledore. So like Jude, like, like Jude, Jude Law, Law, but like not as hot, maybe. <laughs> like bust him up a little bit. Like a little Ichabod Crane-ish, but not, but like hotter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere in between. Now somebody somewhere is going to draw a hot Ichabod Crane and it's going to be bad news. Oh, for everybody I involved. approve. I feel like that. Pro- <laughs> they, I bet that exists. Oh, definitely. There's probably like Ichabod Crane, like I don't know, fan fiction. <laughs> there's got to be. There's so much where fan he's hot, out there. and I don't know, and there's something about a pumpkin, and I'm not. It's gonna be him and the that. headless horseman and their <laughs> eternal romance. Um, oh, one thing that I I did find a little bit on the nose was Helen. Who's the mayor of the town? Oh, yeah, I loved Helen. Um, Helen didn't really appear in the book until the town sequence. Yeah, and it it kind of felt a little forced. It was really the only complaint that I have. You can even can't even really call it a complaint. But one thing I I noticed was that it almost felt like Helen was there to illustrate a point because she's like the first sure. person to meet the children and then to kind of you know warm up to them but also she becomes like really close really quickly with uh lioness and apparently has a history with arthur they like uh, well she they was, know it. well because he lived on the island yeah, his he, whole life. He, he was part of the the previous orphanage which I was think, crazy i think she i think she sort of represented the part of the town that just didn't really care it was like they, out of sight out of mind you mean yeah like it, not that there was definitely like the more militant like anti the kids on the island but i feel like she was more of the camp like eh, let's just like, leave them be they're fine and even when she first like encounters talia she's a little like taken aback she's surprised like what are you doing you know like it's can also i help Lucy you and talia, right 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 you know and she doesn't really warm up to talia until they start talking about gardening and she's like very knowledgeable, and that, I think that knowledge catches Helen off guard. She's like, "Oh, maybe you're not what I thought you were." So I think, so I think Helen sort of was like ripe for being friends with them. She just was trying to keep peace in the town, maybe, and just was like, "Yeah, I think she represents the the subsection of people out in the world that kind of just go about their everyday lives and they don't really think about anything too deeply." Because they're too busy getting right, just getting their lives with... along, you know. But she's not like she, I, she has no bigotry. She's no, just no, not at all. Um, and I think you know, even when they, uh, you know, ended up at the ice cream parlor, and the guy running the ice cream parlor refused to like serve them, that's a, that's <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> and then I do love that like Lucy had started. Oh no, it wasn't Lucy. It was Arthur had started to boil the like to make things warmer. Yeah, he and was, he was ready to phoenix, part of his phoenix out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I and Lioness put a restraining hand on him, and it was like, oh, that was a big moment. Oh. It's like, oh, he's so warm. No, he mm. put his like hands on his face. Oh, that's right. It was even more intimate than I super than I remembered. Oh yeah, no. some face action. As as Maggie, my twelve year old, would say, I ship them. Oh my god, <laughs> that's such a fan fiction term. She's so into that. But yeah, I totally ship Linus and Arthur hard. Of course. And I love um, Helen and Zoe was also that was interesting. Was interesting. I and I feel like I feel like Helen was important in sort of like just representing like somebody who was nice from the town, right? Who wanted to be friends with them. 
Yeah, I think she represented as well, like, the people out in the world that maybe don't realize all the terrible things that are happening. But I also, but she also had power. Because she was, she the, was, ma- she's yeah. the mayor of the town. She was so, in a position to do like, something. Like, uh, J-Bone was like, what's up, cool dude? But, like, he didn't have yeah. any power, except he owned the record shop. You know, like, so he could fire the guy that attacked Lucy. And he, and he did, which, right. to his credit, you know. So I don't think he, I don't feel like he had a lot of um, influence over other townspeople. I don't think he, he was under the influence, I <laughs> think, for most of the time. <laughs> definitely a little baked. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But... Yeah, so I think that's sort of what Helen, she represented someone who could help them in, and help turn the, like, attitude of the town around. Yeah, I, she was an important character. I just wish um, they really couldn't have introduced her earlier now that I think about it. But it felt a little abrupt to me that she was defending them almost instantly. But yeah. I guess that's kind of how people really should be. Sure. You know, if something's right, you should do the but right thing. they didn't things. really give her a chance. No, not really. You know, because she didn't n- necessarily know that they were sending those nasty messages. That's and, true. And they, she hadn't seen them because they didn't go to town. Which Don't... actually, did we ever find out who actually sent the message? Or was there... I kind of feel like there was a hint that it was... I think it was Marty. But Marty. They, I think it could have been any of the... Any of the people the who suck. guys holding the signs. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I do like the end, too. They're like, they talk about, like, uh, adopting another child. Yeah, who's um, who's, who's a, a yeti, yeti, right? <laughs> so awesome. So I'm like, damn cool. it, I need the sequel. He, <laughs> the and, sequel. Uh, with the yeti. But he's like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to approve us because... Uh, oh, and they're also trying to adopt all the, the children together. Formally, as, yeah. you know. And he's like, well... He's like, they might not let us because we're unmarried. Which so that is, was the, the other awesome thing is like, <laughs> you know, being in love with a man or woman, like that wasn't a big deal at all. Which I, I, I kind of like that because I it made the other themes uh, stand out a little bit more. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but that was such a good, good ending to, to the book, uh, the whole Yeti thing and, and how Linus like springs into action and he's like, what should we do? You know, like we need to start moving him in and, you know, get him, get him set up and. Arthur transforms oh, like, the basement. I love it. What's his name? That's the first thing he asks is what's his name? What's his name? What what is he? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and I like to I was uh talking about Edward Scissorhands. Like when I saw that for the first time, and you probably weren't born yet, but Nope. Probably was not. <laughs> I'm a fetus. Um, I think it came out like eighty nine. All right, well that's when I was born. I was Bye. literally a fetus. Yes, okay. Well, I was not. Um, <laughs> I, but I remember like sitting, like I watched it with my cousin, who was my, who was also one of my dearest friends, and I just we both were like crying and just like, you know, Tim Burton was like a big deal. Like it was, and and a movie like that was different than anything we'd ever seen, and it was just like I just remember feeling so, like satisfied like it was such a good movie and we like we looked at each other i'm like do you want like let's can we watch this again like let's stay for the next movie like to say to see it again it was so good did you watch it in in theaters oh yeah yeah and then so I've i that's how i it. felt i've never seen i've never seen it oh my god i know it's so good i'm sorry sorry to disappoint it's a good movie to watch around christmas time because there's some like 
holiday. Holiday-ish. Oh, it's so good. But anyway, so I had yeah. the same feeling where I was like, I want to read this again and I want to, it to continue. <laughs> and I wanted to keep going. Um, I did read, um, somebody had asked TJ if he was going to write, you know, another book set in that world. And he said he didn't have plans to, that for him it was like a one, but he wasn't going to rule it out. <laughs> well, this book felt like coming home like there was a yeah. lot of real comfort to reading the things that he put forth in the, in, in the book and i feel like it was very complete oh, like i don't feel yeah. like i needed another full circle book, but yeah, yeah i it would be fun to read more about them it's but... one of those things that just pulled you in so much that you just wanted more even though like more doesn't make any sense in, t- in context of the story yeah you know but it, it, I will say it's one of those books that I immediately was like, you need to read this. Yeah. Tell my oh, wife. I like, re- I've gonna... recommended it to like everyone and I know. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is the best book. It really is. I think you would like it. I think Maggie would like it. Like, I feel like. There's just I... something for everybody because you can see yourself in, in any number of the characters. Like, And everybody's you know. so like, everybody's so flawed, but they're also like endearing. Yeah. And just all, you just want to like be friends with all of them. <laughs> like Sal in particular hit me uh, when he had his little typewriter in the closet. I know. And Linus kind of like helped him move it, even though he didn't need help. Right, right. He helped him move it out so that he could look at the little twinkling lights of the town yeah. out, out of his bedroom window and like, you yeah, know, so Arthur's Sal like, was oh. Sal was like probably the last one to warm up really yep. yeah, because I think he was just fearful of any caseworker but it was it was great to me how tj writes linus respecting sal's boundaries every time sure. he's like oh, you know i don't want anybody to have forced you into showing me your room you know because yeah, he has to see everybody's room. room yeah and you know he goes he says it to him like a bunch of times you know please if, if anybody's forcing you to do this just know you don't have to mm-hmm. if you don't want to like i want to respect you yeah. respect your space that was nice I feel like nice. Yeah. I read somebody, I saw like a review when I was first looking at it and somebody said, oh, it was like a, it was like a giant, um, warm gay hug. Yes. That was, um, (laughs) actually another good, good author, (laughs) V.E. Schwab. Uh huh. Actually, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her last name. Forgive me. But yeah, it's like being wrapped in a big gay blanket. Yeah. Yep. Great quote. Yeah. It was so good. So yeah, I don't have anything. I, uh, I'm sure I could say more about it, but <laughs> now I, I just I, want to read it again. Now I, I just want to read it again. Yeah. <laughs> and start making the movie. Let's do it. Yeah. So, okay. So the section that you would classify as casting the movie. Oh boy. That's We usually do that in our book club. We I do. don't know. I, I never agree with what anybody ever says though. I'm always like. Well, because it's usually a popularity contest. It's whoever's like the. <laughs> well, or it's like, I don't know who that person is because I'm too old. <laughs> like Thomas will be like, Chloe, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that, that person. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because like I would say I already said who I thought Linus was yes. in my head. Yep. A, and I an feel Ichabod, like he, a hot Ichabod crane. No, 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 not Linus. Oh, the, okay. or, uh, that's Arthur. Arthur, right, right, right. Ar- Arthur's like a hot Ichabod <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that casting. I feel like, you know what? I feel like Jude Law could do it, but he would have to like, he would have to ugly it up a little bit. 
maybe get like a like he would have to add to his nose maybe. yeah see i hate my own question because i i physically read this book like it was a pixar film right so like i don't even know so why you're I like asked it's that. just animated because i just picture it animated like in a very soft style you <laughs> just know? get brad bird to do it and you're yeah like, just pixar or you know DreamWorks i don't see like i i feel like i don't like when they when pixar does people that's fair but i guess there's there it, it would be very stylized i guess that's that's kind of how he writes the book. Like everybody's all spindly and thin, and oh, except for Linus. Except for Linus, who has a noticeable spare tire. But also, and, uh, or Italia too. She's like, well, we're round. We're, we're round. We, we relate to together. each other because. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like I feel like all the children would have to be animated, except for like Sal and Lucy. Yeah, I think they're the only two relatively normal looking typical looking i should say right children well i guess fee too i feel like we didn't get a lot of fee she's very she's wonderful too but i feel like she, she was the least fleshed out yeah if, if i had to pin somebody for that though i i did enjoy the scene with her and zoe in the forest and yeah. lioness who chimes in even when it's like not really his place because he know he knows that they're sprites and it's like a whole separate category of human being that right, and they're private and they're and private protective yeah yeah I don't know but like Zoe would you I I mean she's older but like she's also like a immor- immortal maybe she seems immortal because she she's immortality because gnomes themselves live apparently hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years so I'd imagine the sprites are probably the same way like elves like very long long lived creatures and i feel like it's like i don't know like zoe could be zoe could be anything like lisa bonet <laughs> like that's how i kind of thought of like earthy and because she is like a so i i pictured zoe kravitz i don't know okay. why that's, i just yeah that was my mental image yeah that's a good one i think she might be young now Young. Well, because Zoe is well, Zoe, Zoe well, Kravitz. I, guess, I mean, right? Because I guess because we feel like she's immortal, that she has a youth to her. Yeah, and and I also got the sense that she was some not immature, but that she hadn't been exposed to a lot of humans, so it came off as kind of a yeah. like not as polished social skills. Yeah, you know, she's just used to the kids and, and Arthur for so long. So, because the adults, except for. Like Linus and Arthur really sort of could be anybody. Oh yeah, <laughs> like Definitely. Helen could be anybody. I don't, you know, she's Helen could be Helen Mirren. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I think she's a little old for that. <laughs> she but... might be a little old. But I, yeah, like Emma Thompson. Why not? Oh yeah, or like Frances McDormand. <laughs> That's another really good. But she's in a bunch of stuff. She's like a, you know, she, she would those... that would be like a supporting role that she would knock out of the park. Yeah. If I was an actor, I'd be like, yep, I want to be in this, whatever this is, because it's amazing. Like, I don't care. But you know what? They c- yeah. I, it could probably easily be ruined. <laughs> uh, probably. I don't know. I, I think I think the dialogue is so good. Yeah. There were no boring parts. There were no boring there parts no... whatsoever. It was very well edited. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, so... Thanks for I feel... listening to us ramble. Yeah, I feel like that was... Um... <laughs> I feel like it was a really good first book because we had a lot to talk book. about. And I wish it's... I had more quotes because I I feel like um, I feel like I 
one of the issues with this book in particular is that it was so readable that I did not stop. Yeah, I was just going to say it was so, like, I was so engrossed that I was yeah. like, oh, I should, I should have. Like, shit, there was so many good. <laughs> That's why I'm like, oh, I want to read it again. So maybe we should do that, read it twice if it's another book like I that. I really feel like we should give ourselves time enough yeah. to do that. Because I had a notebook and everything by me and I was just like, nah, I don't care because I just want to be in this world and... Yeah, that's exactly how how it was. I made I had this sticky note thing next to me, and I just didn't write anything down. <laughs> I wrote in the beginning, like I wrote down everybody's name. Like when I first started, I was like, "All right, who are all these people?" And I just, but I was like, I didn't even need to keep track because the, the funny thing is, like, because I read so much fantasy, and correct me if I'm wrong, so much fantasy has so many names, sure, and sure. the names are complicated, and I just have like an encyclopedic knowledge of names all right. these days, so I, I never need to write them down, but. Not to brag, but it's just, it's a shitty brag, by the way. But, <laughs> like, I just was reading, and the quotes are what stunk out with me so much. And I wish I, I had specific yeah, ones that I really enjoyed. Ones. But I really did like the description of Arthur, like, with the short pants. Yeah, I just like that. The green peacoat and the short pants and, and the red socks. He's got such colorful socks. And, yeah. <laughs> like, because he had red socks, and then he had, like, blue and green, and it was great. Yeah, and they all responded to him like you know they were would act out and he'd be like he would just say their name or like lucy is that you know is that how we treat a guest by summoning yeah he'd be like a flock of birds or he'd be talking about something ridiculous like burying somebody alive or like boiling their insides and he'd be like how descriptive yeah descriptive thing to say (laughs) they were very encouraging like what an imagination you have like you know he could do it it's no problem I think there was only one time where he got really upset with Lucy, and I, I forget specifically what the moment is, but he spoke sharply. But I forget what it was about. I... Now I'm upset. It's going to haunt me. I don't know. So our goal here is to entertain you while talking about a book that you've hopefully already read since we told you basically the whole book. That was a good, <laughs> funny because we said summary, and that was, that was... quite a thorough summary. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we gave away some the ending, basically. But our next book we're going to read is Black Buck by Matteo Ascaripor. Did I say that right, do you think? I think you did a great job. Ascaripor. That's the one. I would say we'll post it on our Twitter feed, but <laughs> we don't have one yet. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, we, ha- we don't have a name or anything yet, so... Hopefully all the wine brarians. Wine brarians. <laughs> hilarious. I know. You know what? I had a, a bunch of ideas. Then you look it up, and then somebody already had that idea. So I think it's just telling me how unoriginal I really am, uh, probably. which is which is humbling. I thought I was clever and funny, and you know, well, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you decide, listener. <laughs> singular listener probably my friends and family yeah Yeah. all right so thank you for listening if you were yes thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time until next time yeah